0: Before you even step on the scales, consider this. Weight loss is 99% mindset, and when that head hunger kicks in, no amount of food will feed it. Does that sound familiar? Welcome to Simming Stories Around the World podcast. I'm Claire Alden West, i a therapist and coach. If you can relate to head hunger, eating food on autopilot, then this is your safe space. Here you will find heartfelt weight loss simming stories and celebrate the honesty of those guests who share their ups and downs and everything in between. If you know you need to change your health and are ready to step into a different energy to make that mind-body connection, I'm so glad to welcome you. Feel free to click on the link in the show notes and say hi in our Facebook group. I hated looking
1: in the mirror, I hated it. There was no way in my whole life, I'm 43 now and I've had relationships. Nobody has seen me naked, not anybody in any relationships because of that skin. It's held me back in a lot of situations, not just in personal relationships, but just in like clothes shopping, something as simple as going to buy clothes. I had to make sure that the jeans could fit that pouch in or the t-shirt covers that up or you can't see it under the dress, you know? I could never wear anything tight. I could never wear anything short. So it affected my life in, in every way.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Silling Stories Around the World podcast. I'm your host, Claire Alden-West. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me for for another episode. And I'm so excited to to host this week's podcast because Liz-Anne is is just a a fireball of inspiration. You know, when I look for these, these guests that I have on this show... And I, I look through Instagram or maybe Facebook and I, I look at the before, the after photographs and I start to read through their story. I must say that Lizanne, when, when I started to, to flick through and to actually understand not only more about her, but about what was happening in her life in terms of those changes, I can remember thinking, my goodness, and I really hope she agrees to be a podcast guest because not only has Lizanne lost over 10 stone in weight, She's had those life challenges, you know. I know that we all have challenges along the way, but some some real, some real harsh life challenges through her teens, and then she found herself in that that situation where she, where she knew she needed to lose the weight. So, having lost over ten stone, she also decided, also decided that she would be a surrogate for a gay couple, and I just think the the fact that she's done that is such a beautiful thing to to give back that 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 gift of of carrying a child for another couple is is just a wonderful a wonderful thing for a human being to do in my eyes absolutely wonderful and i want i want you to just listen to lizanne covering this this story too and and how how she feels towards this couple that bond it's such a beautiful story indeed and not only she's gone through that, that she's also gone under the knife of that, that skin removal surgery and I know a lot of people on TikTok, on Instagram always ask those questions around skin removal surgery so I think, I just feel that this episode covers so, so much. I was going to split this into two but I thought no, let, let's just keep it down to to one podcast episode. So is introducing Lizanne to her episode of Slimming Stories. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lizanne. I'm really, really pleased to have you here. And I just feel that having, having looked at your recent journey in terms of your weight loss with your surrogacy, with your skin removal surgery, that I could actually literally sit here for a whole day and still not cover everything. Yeah. So when did you find that you, you really started to notice that, that issue with your weight? Was it something that you found um, growing up in your teens or is it something that you found later on in life? So. I
1: reckon that my weight issue started when my mum and dad separated. So I'll have been about 9 years old. Um I grew up in a pub. So there was always fizzy pop. You know diet drinks were not not around then. It was always the coke and the lemonade on top um tap and crisps uh pork scratchings all that. So it was all on tap and then there was also like the pub food as well, so chips mm. and stuff. Um And my bad habits started there, really. Um, And my up until about 14, I'd got quite big. I was probably one of the bigger ones in school. Then I lost my dad when I was 14. And my reaction to losing my dad was I just stopped eating for about six months and didn't really eat much. Um, And I lost a lot of weight, obviously. I think I lost, so I must have been about 16 stone when I was 14. Um, and I dropped a lot of weight then. So I'll have gone down to about 10 stone. I was really skinny. So when I was about 16, I'd kind of developed like anorexia, but not in the sense that it's because I wanted to lose weight. It was just a trauma response. Um, Luckily, I say luckily, I got pregnant just before I turned 17 and had my daughter now who's nearly 26. Um, And she brought me out of that not eating cycle. Um, she actually did the, the pregnancy, actually did the opposite. And that's where I piled loads of weight on, probably 10-stone in that pregnancy. Um, and I stayed big then, right up until I'd had my 17-year-old son. Um, and when he was about six months old, I'd gone through a bad breakup. Um and I was out one day with the kids, because like so I'd got a three-year-old. Um, six month old, and then I'd got the older two who will have been about seven and eight then. And we were playing out um, in the park, and they were like, Mummy, Mummy, come and play, come and play. And I just thought, I really physically can't do this. I can't actually run around with them. I get exhausted just getting up off the ground. i you know, everything's hard work.
0: Hmm.
1: And we walked back to the car, and I saw a reflection of myself in the car win- in the window. I just thought, what have I done to myself, you know? I've got these four little kids, because I was a single mum, but these four little kids that are dependent on me. I owe them to get healthy so that I'm around to look after them and so that I can go and do stuff with them. Um, And that was the beginning of my first weight loss journey from up until then. So I'll have been, I don't know, 30, 35, maybe 30-ish. Up until then... I'd been big all my life from being 16 all the way up and that's when it started and the first time around when I lost the weight I just did it by lowering my calories um and once I'd dropped quite a, a lot of weight I started with it at the gym with my sister but then I damaged my spine um and that I got um, a really rare condition called equina, which almost paralyzed me so I'd have an emergency surgery on my spine and then I The weight came back on because I was immobile. Food is a comfort to me, um, and I just ended up getting really big. Again, at my heaviest, I will have been the heaviest recorded weight. was 21 stone two, but I know I was heavier than that at one point. I'll have probably been closer to 22 stone. I stayed at that weight for a while, and then my proper weight loss journey, where I've lost and maintained, was 2018. Uh, lost the 10 stone and I've kept it off since then And I've had two pregnancies since then um, where my weights fluctuate a little bit but I've remained been able to get the the weight off afterwards and so yeah I've learned
0: how to maintain it now and not go crazy with food so there's so much there that I want to unpick with you so I'm so sorry to hear that 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 difficulty with losing your father and and that yeah. response I'm so sorry to hear that was that was part of of your life at such a young age, I think we all yeah. know that obviously our parents are going to pass, but to experience that and, and to have that, when you experience that loss, and when you was in that not not eating cycle of of okay, I'm not I'm not going to feed that food, I'm I'm not going to feed myself, I'm not going to nourish myself. What helped you to to move away from that? What helped you to start to to eat again?
1: It was literally finding out I was pregnant with my little girl. Yeah. Um, I'd always wanted to be a midwife from being really, really young. So I was interested in pregnancy. I understood pregnancy even at a young age. Um, so the the eating problem didn't start until I was about 15 and a half. Cause it took a long time for me to realise actually my dad had gone and wasn't coming back. It took a long time for that to sink in. And when it did, that was the trauma. It just hit me and I was just like, wow, that's it, he has gone. And then when I found out I was pregnant. I've been 17 just when I found out I was pregnant. I just knew that I had to be healthy. Yeah. So I used to smoke at that point. So I stopped smoking the day I found out that I was pregnant and I just started eating, to start with healthily, but it just, it was like a domino effect.
0: I just started eating and just didn't stop. Didn't stop. So you, oh, you, yeah. you had that, that life in your body is somebody very, very slim and, and having, having that excess weight. And and often what can happen after trauma, um, especially with a loss of a parent, is that protection where that, that weight goes on as that that protection. But for you, it, it was that opposite. So it's quite interesting to to hear that and to understand how that how that had affected you. So you would now fed because you want that that healthy baby that you were carrying there, yeah. and then that that little baby came along. So with that excess gain of that ten stone, obviously some of that is obviously pregnancy weight. How did you feel? with that that excess gain and how did it feel in a body I guess after being really really slim prior to the the pregnancy and then having not only just the the pregnancy weight but this excess weight that you'd put on there how did that feel for you at that time
1: um it's hard to explain but I remember when I wasn't in the eating phase even though the non-eating phase wasn't weight It wasn't weight driven. That isn't why I went through that when I was young. I still because I'd been quite big and then gone quite small. So I'd gone from like I don't even know I'll have been about a size twenty two down to a size ten. I still felt really big, Hmm. Um, and I've always suffered with body dysmorphia. That's another thing that I talk about on my Instagram is body dysmorphia. So that's probably where that started. So when I'd gained the weight again it didn't really feel much different because I never really recognised that I was actually a size 10 to a 12. It was still that I was just me. It wasn't a thing that I recognised, but I do know that I... Hated my body. I hated how I looked. I hated how I felt. I hated the clothes because back in nineteen ninety-seven, there were no nice clothes that you could go buy for women. You know, it yeah. wasn't. It was all baggy tops or baggy long tops and really aged, like aged clothes that people wear that the
0: sixties and you know, in the sixties, like evans wasn't it? I think it was. That was the only thing. In the nineties. Well, I think.
1: evans was really expensive, and I couldn't yeah. afford evans, so I had to live in stuff like leggings or, um, you know, like the elasticated trousers and the big baggy men's t-shirts and that's all that I could afford because I was a single mum in college looking after this baby um so yeah I just remember not not liking myself and I didn't like myself for a long time through therapy after I'd had um my 17 year old well between having my 18 year old and 17 year old and I know that a lot of how I feel about myself is like a trauma response from a lot of stuff that happened in my childhood and as I say I've always had body dysmorphia but that since my surgery has got so much better it's not perfect but I can recognize that I'm being irrational when I'm looking at myself so I can see now as a 43 year old that I couldn't see when I was in my 20s or in my late teens that you know
0: it is irrational and it is body dysmorphia and it is a mental health issue with myself. Anybody that's listening that's not really aware of of body dysmorphia What, what you're basically describing there is regardless of whether you're a size 10 size 22 you'd look in that mirror and it wouldn't really register that 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 size difference so having experienced that body dysmorphia and and having now had that had that weight loss surgery you've now what you're now saying is that you still feel that you've you've got part of that body dysmorphia but the impact is not as big just talk me through that so when you see your reflection now Bear in mind that you are quite visible on social media. You've got your Instagram account and you've got some lovely support systems on there too. How does that feel for you when you're looking at your reflection? What internal conversation are you having with yourself when you see your reflection compared to that that you would have, for example, as as an 18-year-old?
1: So now, I mean, I don't know if you saw the post where first time in my life I've bought a full-length mirror for my house. I've never had a full-length mirror um it's always been either a face mirror in the bathroom or the one of the like you know like three foot ones that you have to put um so that you can actually stand right back so you can see full length and that would always be turned around so I didn't see myself but this mirror is like a seven foot mirror that ain't turning around nowhere um so it's the first time I've actually got a mirror in my bedroom and I look in the mirror and 90% happy with what I see um Oh, most of the time, like this morning, because I'm still wearing the binder from the surgery, um, and I've got the big support bra on. I'm limited to what I can wear. It's got to be covered up. Um, and I tried on four different outfits this morning because I just looked to in my head. I looked fat, or I didn't look right. But then, if I'm stood in that mirror with just a normal bra and a normal underwear, I can see actually, Lizanne, what are you, what are you doing? You're a size ten. Your body's not perfect. It's been through a lot. It's carried eight babies. It's lost over 10 stone in weight. You've had major surgery. No, your body's not perfect. But just look at yourself. So it's in the moments where I can see that I actually look okay, that is when I take the pictures. And I'm like, you need to take them, not just not just to show on social media and to share, but for me to look back at when I'm having one of my wobbles and think, what what is wrong with you? You're fine. Look at that picture. Look at how far you've come compared Compare yourself to what you were even just like two months ago when I had the skin there. Um, Exactly, you know, this how I felt about myself six weeks ago prior to the surgery when I looked in the mirror and I look back at those pictures, I had nothing but my naked body, repulsion, I hated it. I would have never shared those photos on social media prior Mm -hmm. to my surgery. But now I can look at myself. And I can share a picture of me in my underwear or in a bikini and be proud of that. Um, So, yeah, massive, massive difference. But again, there's still that little voice in my head that niggles and says, you know, you can't wear that. You look silly in that. You look overweight in that. But then again, as I say, I go back and I can see, I look at those photos and I think, you know, it's just that voice in your head. You need to push that voice out and,
0: and remember that that is not actually what you look like. You look like this. You know, And you look lovely. I mean, all, you look lovely, as I'm seeing you now, you look lovely on your Instagram. And it, it's great that you're showing up in your true, authentic self and saying exactly how it is. And I think those images that you put on your Instagram are really, really important because we see we see the picture perfect. I mean, this is I feel like I'm having this conversation on repeat but we can't put filters on. We can't put filters on like, like, for example, for me at the moment, as I'm recording this, anybody on YouTube, the reason that this looks light is because I'm sat in a tiny, tiny room and this is a blind I have to put on there. Don't do filters. I don't put any filters on my Insta. And I think we need to be showing up, especially as women, you know, especially as women to say, look, okay, th- this is how I look. This is this is me, This this is it without putting the filters on so other pe- other women can can look at those images and think actually I can see myself in that person I can see myself yeah. you know and when you can be real without that feeling of oh my god what are people going to say because at the end of the day you could be like the most amazingly um, inspirational person but with all this wonderful um, vocabulary with all these wonderful posts you know you could have a, a gajillion followers that will not stop the haters. It will it will not stop somebody having an opinion, because everyone can have an opinion. But the fact that you're able to validate yourself by by showing up, just just by being authentic and, and putting that out there and also recognizing that you know what, I'm gonna have those really crap days. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep these photographs, I'm gonna put them to one side, and I'm gonna remind myself on on those days. And and everything that you said there is really, really important because even on those days that you're looking at that that reflection even after your surgery your subconscious mind which is what we deal with in hypnosis remembers all those times that you've looked in that reflection and it, it's felt it's felt bad it's felt oh, yeah. and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking at that reflection what it could be is that an emotion's rising up and that emotion is then triggering that response to how you see yourself you've only got to think about for example if you find yourself in the company of somebody that's that's really draining um really really negative and then we can walk away and think gosh I need to just go and have a a breath of fresh air or I need to just move away or it might be for example you've had a really bad day at work or you've been in company it feels quite draining it's exactly the same for ourselves We, we can find ourselves having a really bad day feeling really drained really negative so that when we do look in that in that mirror it's it's a different reflection because we're but we're basically looking at that that emotion on, on that reflection rather than actually just seeing that, that physical reflection, we're basically portraying those emotions that we're feeling and the fact that you've been able to move forward from that and, and recognize that maybe there's still something there, but you've come such a long way. So what I want to say to you is it's very brave, very brave for, for going through that surgery. And you've mentioned there that that 10 stone weight loss. Congratulations for losing 10 stone. And just to understand a bit about how that has helped you and how that's worked for you, what diet plan did you follow to to lose that that 10 stone? And what first made you think, actually, now is the time that I can commit to this and I can really invest in myself and, and make these changes?
1: I know that that day when I was with my kids, that was when my brain kind of clicked. And I knew, because I'd tried a million diets, I'd tried Weight Watchers, Slimming World, I'd tried the fad diets, I'd tried the Slim Fast and everything, and nothing ever worked. And I knew, and I think a lot of, it might sound patronising, but I think a lot of it is maturity. As we grow older, it's easier to get our heads around stuff and understand stuff and re- realise what we're doing to our bodies. Especially now as well, it'll help the younger generations because as when I was younger there was no social media there was no real there was only the groups that you go talking now at least with the social media and stuff the the kids and the young adults are more aware and they can see the impact of weight and stuff you know they're more educated about stuff um so how I lost my weight originally was I just changed how I was eating no plans or anything I just changed how I was eating so I cut out all processed food, well, I'd say 90% of processed foods. I was still eating, like, um, packaged ham and stuff. Um, I cut out all all full-fat stuff, so full-fat cheese, full-fat butters, margarines, full-fat milks, full-fat yogurts. Um, I just made healthy choices and healthy replacements, Um, and I stayed strict. This is just how I work. This is not what I'm telling people to do. I stayed strict until I hit my goal, and then I was more lenient and I'd allow myself to go and have a McDonald's or I'd allow myself to go and go out for a meal on a night time. Um, but this is how I work. I have, I'm have. i an all or nothing kind of person. When I go into something, um, I give my all and that's how I work. So to lose the weight, what, like when I've just had the baby in February, I knew that I needed to lose the, I think it was three stone I needed to lose to get me to my pre-surgery weight of 11 and a half stone. So yeah, it was three stone. So I knew I had to give my all to get from February to July and lose that weight. I'm not saying that I starved myself. I'm not saying that I restricted myself. I just knew I had to stay 100% on my plan and not have that cheeseburger and not have that meal out or that slice of pizza. Um, And this is how I lost my weight originally. I just... Made myself not so much a plan, just a healthy, like healthy eating. Maintain. No, I'm not going to add that butter to that potato, and no, I'm not going to add the cheese to the pasta unless it's the fifty percent less fat. And to start with, yeah, those things do taste strange and they're not as nice. But now, to me, fifty percent fat cheese that's like less fat tastes just as good as any cheese to me because you you become you used to it, Um, and then. Obviously, my weight has been a roll. My weight loss journey has been a roller coaster ride. I've lost and I've gained ten stone probably three or four times. I think. Um, as I say, I've maintained now since two thousand and eighteen. So what's that? Five years. Um, but in two thousand and eighteen, I lost about seven stone, and then my sister was going to swimming World and she was raving on about it and how amazing it was, and I was like. She's like, you can eat all this and you can do this and, you you know, you can eat as much as you want. And I was like, oh, I'm going to come and have a, a go at, at Slimming World. So I did join Slimming World and I did manage to lose a further two stone following the Slimming World plan. But towards the end of that, I realized that I was gaining weight, even though I was following the plan 100%. So that's when I researched calorie counting. And I started calorie counting alongside Weight uh, Slimming World, sorry. And I realized that the calories that I was taking in was far too much for that last bit of weight loss. I was eating probably 2,200 calories a day. That, that's a maintenance diet. That is not a weight loss diet. So I found out I was pregnant with my son. My little boy was free now. And I decided to stop Slimming World and go on to calorie counting. Okay. Um. And while I was pregnant, I actually m- managed to lose the last stone through calorie counting, eating a really healthy, balanced diet, um, eating probably better than what I was on Slimming World. And I didn't I gained exactly a stone during that pregnancy. And once he was born, I think I was only three pounds heavier than um, my, g- my goal weight. So I'd managed to lose that weight healthily and in my with my own kind of plan. Yeah. So um now I've maintained that plan and it works so much better for me. And I find that you've got so much more freedom. And I do believe, and I'm not slating Slimming World, Slimming World gave me a bad kind of relationship with food. Being able to being told that you can eat as much potatoes, pasta, rice, as much as you want, as much fruit and vegetables as you want. It's a bit, it's a bit dangerous, really saying that to somebody because in the end, as I've proven, you don't get a weight loss in the end. It's fair enough when you've got a lot of weight to lose. That is going to work for somebody. But when you get to the point where you haven't actually got that much weight to lose, you can't sit and eat a massive bowl of pasta. That's 800 calories in just pasta in the bowl. You know, that's like two meals worth. That's like your breakfast and your lunch in just pasta. So the calorie counting, I still do that now and it really does work. And as I say, I've got the food freedom to be able to eat what I want. And I don't I don't feel like food is good and bad now,
0: you know? No, no, I, I understand so... that. And I, I get that with Slimming World because obviously you've got that terminology of sin. Um, and that can be obviously termed as something negative. And I think Slimming World's great. I mean, I, I follow Slimming World. No, no, I'll,
1: never, I'll never
0: slate it. Yeah, I follow Slimming World. And what, what I always think is it's whatever suits you. I mean, there are so no. a gajillion like, weight loss plans. Like one of my friends in Florida, she just keto she swears by it absolutely yeah I couldn't start the morning by eating bacon first thing it would be the worst thing ever the melted cheese I'd be like oh so uh, but she does that she loves that and I think what it's whatever works for you and I think there are exactly. little tweaks that you can do in swimming world when when you get stuck you can speak to a consultant there are different things but at the end of the day the, the plan that is going to work for you in terms of a long life plan is your plan isn't it? So I'd never yeah. say to somebody, oh no, that's wrong or that's it's whatever works for you. It's whatever works for you. And it's worked for you. I mean, you're you're a testament to that. And, and congratulations. I'm so pleased that you you found that and that that weight came off. What I want to ask you is, at what point, once that weight had come off, did you feel that that skin needed to be removed too? Because you've you've lost tandstone and like you've explained, you've you've lost tandstone and regained around three times. How did that relationship with your body, having struggled with dysmorphia and now having this excess skin, so you could feel it, you can touch it, you can see it? How did that feel? And what allowed you to to make that decision? Like you've explained, you've got you've got these children. You're the you know you're the the the, the rock of the family to, to go under the knife and, and make that decision to to have that skin removed. Basically,
1: the skin. There was over a stone removed with excess skin just from my stomach and from the around the top of my buttocks, really. So that's a lot. So I was yeah. carrying just and it wasn't fat, it's just skin. Skin, yeah. Um carrying that around affected me mentally a lot. Um, it affected my like intimate relationships, it affected my relationship with my children because still having that there, even though physically I probably could do running and I could do swimming. I wouldn't because it was there and it was he- it. You run, you run downstairs. You can hear it. Yeah. You know it is. It claps down onto you yeah, because yeah. it was it was oh, twenty centimeters hanging down on my legs. Um, it affected everything. It just it was all I could really think about. I hated looking in the mirror. I hated it. There was nowhere in my whole life. I'm 43 now and I've had relationships. Nobody has seen me naked, not anybody in any relationships because of that skin. It's held me back in a lot of situations, not just in personal relationships, but just in like clothes shopping, Mm -hmm. something as simple as going to buy clothes. I had to make sure that the jeans could fit that pouch in or the t-shirt covers that up or you can't see it under the dress you know I could never wear anything tight I could never wear anything short so it affected my life in in every way the hot summer months like now it would be unbearable because it'd be all hot underneath and it'd get rashes and it'd get sore and Mm. I'd finished having children I'd I'd done my bit children wise and yeah it was something that had ruled my life from being 18 because that's when it developed was went through the pregnancy with my first child um and it gradually just got worse with the extra weight and the weight loss and I just hated my body I didn't hate myself I hated my body and although I appreciate my body and I appreciated it for everything that it has done and it has nurtured and it has grown these amazing children I just detested what I saw and I knew that I mean, I'm not particularly old, I'm not particularly young, but I didn't want to live the rest of my life here in my body,
0: yeah,
1: so I thought, while well, I'm still you know young enough to to do it and and I want to I'm, my youngest child is free, I want to take him swimming, I want to go on the beach and wear a swimsuit because I have never done that. I want to be able to wear the last time I wore a swim swimsuit, I was pregnant with my son and um, my partner at the time, his, their dad, made a horrible comment about my bum. Because I had one of the swimsuits on that had the little, you know, the skirt at the bottom. Right, yeah. He made a horrible contact, uh, comment about my bum. And he also made the same comment while I was in labour with my son. And from that day, I've n- never wore a swimsuit since. Because if my partner thought that about me, mm. what the heck was other people thinking? So... I've never actually taken my little three-year-old swimming. I've never done that because it's just something that I wouldn't want to do. But now I've got to wait another couple of weeks until I'm 12 weeks post-op, but then I can take him swimming and I'm going to do that. And it has held me back from doing so many things, like just normal everyday stuff,
0: Mm. Um, physically and mentally, you know? For somebody to make that comment in labour, I mean, I'm. That, that just blows oh, my the midwife mind. midwife went crazy. Yeah, that, that <laughs> blows my mind. It's just, you know, I've, I've created this this human being and that's what you're talking about. I'm so sorry that was your experience. Um and having had um challenging experiences myself with, with ex partners, having gone through that being a single parent, I know that you you want to find yourself again, don't you? You want to, yeah. you've got to appreciate your body and and like you said, you, you know, you you're not old by any means. So so doing this for yourself like you said, you're doing your bit in terms of children, doing this thing for yourself, investing that time in yourself and and going under that that surgery and knowing that on the outcome of that is is that gift of being able to look in the mirror and have those days where actually you like your reflection. And it, yeah. it inspires so many people along the way too. And it's nice, I think, to be able to show that side with, with people that have that, you know, they're not just people that's looking to lose one or two stone, they've, they've got that. Bigger number to lose it, it just gives that hope doesn't it I and mean, we've got to yeah. have that hope without that hope we, we could struggle but if we can see that on the horizon um like like you've explained then then that's something that's going to really help people to move forward so thank you so much for being able to to show that sure. um and to be yes yeah, standing in, in your power and not only have you lost all of that weight not only have you undergone that surgery so i just wanted to touch upon that that fact that you've gone through this surrogacy and you've helped a gay couple with this wonderful gift of of life. So I mean, I've had some guests on the show, and this is this is a part that I, says I could I could I'll stay all day and talk about just this thing alone. How did it feel to be able to have that relationship with this couple? That that trusting relationship, because not only are you helping them to to add that gift of life to, to start that beautiful family but you're able to to provide that, that child and and on that child over. How did that relationship develop of trust to be able to even consider this, to even consider surrogacy as an option for you?
1: So the baby daddies, um, I didn't know them prior to the surrogacy. I met them through a surrogacy agency. Um, but when I met them face-to-face, it was an instant I knew that these people were who I wanted. And people that go into surrogacy and want a surrogate baby and have to go through an agency are not doing this lightly. It's not something that you just think, oh, you know, we're going to have a baby, let's just have one. It doesn't work like that. Surrogacy in the UK is so expensive and it's so hard to get to get a surrogate, especially a male, two-male couple. Um, there's just no... For the amount of couples there are, both like you know gay straight and then there are single people as well the amount of people that are out there that need a surrogate there's just there's no like there's probably like 100 couples to one surrogate maybe that's probably even too too little a number so I met these guys and it was just like I instantly fell in love with them. I could see how they reacted together and how they spoke about each other and how they spoke about the families and how they spoke about how they wanted a child and you know the struggles they've been through to get have a baby. And I just listened to them and I felt I felt a connection with them instantly. And they say the same thing with me. So over this journey that we've had, we've actually become really, really, really good friends. Like we speak probably nearly every day, like, on the phone. They live in Essex and I'm in West Yorkshire, so seeing each other is not easy. Um, we were in Paris together in June, or was it July? Um, we went for a weekend, and I go down and see them as, as often as I can because they're busy guys as well. Um, but I just knew from... It was just... It was, like, fit kind of thing. I just knew when I met them that these guys... Because there was another two other couples that I was speaking to too... I just knew instantly that these guys were who I wanted to have to carry this baby for. So they had embryos already made. So genetically I'm not connected to the little girl. Um, So they had a egg donor and they used their, their sperm and made these little embryos. Um, but like, It's very bizarre. I've had seven children of my own, and how I felt about that pregnancy was completely different to the surrogacy pregnancy. So with my own children, it was a motherly connection. They were my children, and I I adored this baby inside me. With the surrogate baby, I'm not saying I didn't love and care and and nurture her and and love her moving, because I absolutely loved every second of it, but she was my friend's baby. So that connection, there was never... There was never any hesitation when I gave birth and they took her. There was never, ever that, oh, my God, what have I done? I want that baby. You know, there was never, ever that, ever. Um, so when she was born by the cesarean, so when she was born, she was hunt- I she was handed straight to the, her daddies. I didn't hold her for a couple of hours. Um, and I only held her a few times. And that wasn't because they didn't want to. But she's a brand new newborn baby with her parents, you know, it's their time. It's not, it wasn't my time to be Go. you know, give me the baby, I want to hold her. She wasn't my baby to do that anyway. You know, I was literally just carried her for them. Um, And I must say it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Just the whole thing, watching them, like we'd go for scans. The first ever scan we had and the first time we heard the heartbeat, I wasn't watching the monitor. I was watching them. And to see their faces and their reactions was just, it was amazing. It gives me all goosebumps thinking about it now. And Like when we found out she was a girl and, oh, it was just amazing. Just seeing their reactions, it gets me all teary. It was just the best, honestly, best.
0: and how have your children been around that that pregnancy you're carrying that that child especially with with the younger ones how did you explain to your younger ones that actually mum is pregnant but actually it's not my baby this this baby's not going to be with the family
1: they so they met Ben and Ross and I told them that the baby in my belly wasn't our baby I was just because Two men they can't have babies, men can't have babies in their belly. they can't grow babies, but ladies can um some woman's gonna carry this baby and make her grow, and then the baby's gonna come out, but we're not gonna bring her home. She's gonna go live with her daddy, her daddies. they're fine they' were, they've been absolutely fine. We talk about baby and we see the photos and you know they've they've met her when she was born, and they'll see her again at some point, as I say, the distance is hard, but yeah they they it never faced them. No, they were never. They were never upset. They never. Where's the baby? Why haven't we got the baby? They knew from the start, even before I was pregnant, that why Why are you doing that? Why are you putting injections in your tummy? Because mummy's going to grow a baby for Ben and Ross. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just that it was, and that, my older, my four older children have always, I've always spoken about surrogacy. I always wanted to do surrogacy,
0: um. So they were just like, yeah, go for it. What was your what was your drive to to help somebody as a surrogate? What made you decide? You know what, I'm gonna I've had all these babies, but I'm gonna help somebody else. What was your drive to help somebody as a surrogate?
1: I have never ever had an issue getting pregnant. I've always taken my fertility for granted. And when I was younger, I used to think it must be awful not being able to have a baby if you really want a baby. Um and i've always been a big part of um the gay community i've got a lot of gay friends i've i've had former girlfriends um i've got people in my family that are gay i've got people in my family that are trans so i'm a big ally anyway and i thought to myself you know the hardest the hardest people to have a baby is to male a, a male couple yeah so i always knew that I wanted to carry a baby for two men, get a couple. Um, and as I say, I'd always taken my fertility as for granted. And I could never, if I wanted a baby, I could get pregnant within a month or two. And I just thought to myself, I can't imagine wanting a baby so bad for so long and not actually have been physically being able to even try to do it because you, you don't have the capacity in your body to do it so you know and I do feel for women that go through IVF and you know that can't physically have children um but these guys physically couldn't even try you know they Mm -hmm. couldn't even give their body a chance to do it and you know as I say surrogacy is not something that you just think come on let's go and have a baby you have to it's so time consuming and it costs a lot of money and it's a lot of thought and a lot of process because these guys are actually Australian. They were living in Australia and they've moved to England for the sole purpose to have a family because it was just so hard for, in Australia, to the surrogacy laws and everything are a lot different. So they actually physically moved over here to be able to have a family. So I just knew that always that I wanted to do it for a male couple.
0: Yeah, Um, beautiful.
1: And as I say, I met them. And straight away, within 10 minutes, I knew that these were the guys that I wanted to, to whose baby I wanted to carry. So want and they are the best parents. Had? They really are the best oh, parents. They're, oh, they're yeah, true. she was the happiest, happiest little baby. Um, and they've just naturally, naturally become these great parents. And the funny thing is, I know this sounds really silly, they've got a dog, right? They've got this dog. And I watched them with this dog the first time I went. And that dog is their entire world. And she is spoiled and the way that they speak to her, the way that they interact with her. And I thought, if they're like this with a dog, how are they going to be with a baby? Yeah. And now I see them with this baby and they're just, they're amazing parents, amazing. And it was the best decision I've ever
0: ever made. They're just great. It's
1: they're just great.
0: wonderful. I'm, yeah, just what a, a beautiful thing to offer somebody, that, that chance to be parents and especially like you said, as a, as a gay couple, as a gay male male couple, it's such a a difficult um, situation to then be off to move forward and f- and have that that chance of a family. So so that gift is it's beyond precious, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, can't replicate.
1: I wanted to do a second surrogacy for them. I wanted to carry a sibling for them, but complications during the baby's birth basically my womb had ruptured and had gone see through. They could see through and see the baby in my womb. Um, and I've been told under no circumstances do not get pregnant again because it could be like fatal for both of us. Yeah. So we'd already planned um, within six months after her birth, we'd start looking into doing the IVF again and um, and try for a second baby. So that was devastating when I found out that I couldn't carry a second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're actually looking for a surrogate. Um which is fine. It's not an easy task trying to find no. a surrogate. Um so they're on a hunt for it, which is I've been putting little bits on my social media to oh, try yeah. and
0: absolutely. I mean, it's it's wonderful ever since you've, you've you've created this picture of this this beautiful couple. And if anybody's listened to this podcast episode, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna put some details in the in the show notes. I'll put um your details in the show notes so they'll be able to link to your Instagram and, and simply um just drop Lizanne a message, a DM. If any 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 reason you've got an inkling that maybe you'd like to even consider surrogacy, maybe you, you've you've been a surrogate, uh, maybe you know somebody that's been a surrogate, maybe this is something that you're interested in in, in looking at, at doing. Maybe you've had your babies, and and you, just like Lizanne, you're looking at gifting this to somebody else, to a couple that that would really really appreciate that. And I know it's not for everyone. Like I, I get that, I appreciate that. But there might be somebody that's listening. I know that this podcast uh, goes out to I think what's over fifty different countries. So anybody that's listening, get in touch, and I will um, either get in touch with me, get in touch with Zan, and I'll by, by all means connect you both and see see if, if anything can happen from this. You, you just that's never know. You? You, you just never know. You, you just never know. And I'm so yeah. pleased that you've you've come on today. You you've shared your story, and and like I said, I, I could talk forever and a day to you and just ask so gajillion questions. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for anybody that's listening today that that is struggling as um, in particular as a lady with with that excess weight, um, just like yourself, having that that larger number to lose, what three tips could you give to somebody? to to get them into that that frame of mind that actually we need we need to look at these things to to move forward before we even start buying in those products, before we start changing the shopping list, before we start going out and doing exercise, what three things do you think that you can offer somebody as advice today that really helped you to move forward? So the advice I'd
1: probably give is if you're thinking, oh, I really need to lose weight, you know, something I really need to do. Ask yourself what's stopping you. What what is it? If you, if it's something that you're thinking about that's affecting you all the time, what is stopping you? I understand food addiction. I've, I'm addicted to food. They're, it is real. Food addiction is hard, and it's one of the hardest addictions to beat because you have to eat. It's not like smoking and drugs and alcohol that you can just give up eventually and never have to do it again. Food you've got to eat to keep alive. So ask yourself why. Why are you? What's stopping you from doing it? It's going to be hard but you are worth it. And if it's something that's affecting your life all the time, just get a plan in place. So my top tips would be to start, empty your house of bad food. Either give it away or just have a week of rampant eating and getting rid of all those bad things. If your excuse is, yeah, but I've got kids and I've got a partner, then tough. You get rid of the food. If they want some sweets, walk them up to the shop. Yeah. Make your partner go to the shop. Buy it. So they eat it there and then. So it's not sitting in a cupboard because that was my downfall to start with. If if I had um, a box full of stuff for the kids, it'd be my downfall because I'd go and I'd have, I'll just have a little bit and then it'd just cartwheel and I'd have a massive binge. So that's my biggest tip. Rid the house of temptation. Don't use the excuse that you've got kids or a partner. You can get them daily treats. And secondly, plan. So meal prep. Hmm. Plan what you're going to eat for the whole week and then go to the supermarket or order your shopping for that week so you know exactly what you're going to eat and stick to that plan. Don't think, I can't be bothered to do that today because that's when you're just going to mess up and it's going to cartwheel. Um, And another thing is, if you have a bad day, it's just a bad day. Tomorrow, wake up, shake it off and start again. If you have another bad day, again, it doesn't matter. Just wake up with a fresh mind and start again because that's where I always went wrong in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd lose
1: a couple of stone, have a bad day, and i think, oh, well, I've messed it up now. I might as well just just throw it off and just eat. It doesn't no. work like that. No. It doesn't no. work like that. So you don't, even though you might look at the scales that day and you, you're two pounds lighter than the next day because you've had a binge, that two pound isn't actually fat. It doesn't, mm. that isn't how fat gain and fat loss work works. It'll be excess water and it'll be excess food that you've got in your system. So you just have to think, you know, oh well, I've had a bad day. It happens. Shrug it off. Start again. And that would that's one of my main tips. Like bad days happen. We all go through rubbish through day to day. And sometimes you just need food or you need to order that pizza or you need that bottle of wine. You know, it happens it's not the end of the world, it's not the end of your journey, just start again. I mean, right. I lost £7 last week on my first week back after my weight loss, and then I put £4 back on because I had a, a two-day binge, a big bender of food, and then so then Monday morning came, and I just thought, right, start again. It's not the end of the world, yeah. you
0: know? I and think that, that is that's what, what can happen. I think, I think what can happen is we get wrapped up in our mind about the guilt, that shame, and and there's so much in terms of Getting into that that mindset because we're already thinking about the, the past. We're not we're not in the present. We're not looking at moving forward. We, we, what we want to do is is wear that cloak of shame, that cloak of guilt. And all we need to do is, is take that that cloak off and and just actually say, you know, that happened, but now it's a new day. And I think that right. process can be hard for a lot of people for lots of yeah. uh, many reasons, whether they've been through trauma or whether it's something that's happening um, not just with the weight, but something's happening in the personal life. So they feel that the the need to be punished for something, and to feel that they're they're in that mindset that's quite dark. But being able to move forward from that from that point, I think, um is one of the most awakening things for me personally. Having mm-hmm. no longer, well, no longer being a binge eater. So I've I've not been a binge eater for, uh, since twenty twenty one, and that for me is is a, is the greatest thing. Being able to wake up in the morning and not having food on my mind not not food being the first thing that, that springs to mind mm. um and yeah wonderful advice for people and i've, I've really really appreciate you coming onto the show thank you so much for anybody to listen to this podcast wherever you are around the world just want to share your instagram account and yeah tweet.
1: because my my dms are always open and i'm happy to give advice one-to-one advice um so yeah just message me and i can uh, be your own personal cheerleader if you need that you know i'm happy to help what's your instagram handle so it's
0: lasagna79 underscore weight loss great and i'll pop that in the show notes too thank you so much for joining me it's been great to have you on it's been great chatting to you thank you such an amazing story and i think whenever i listen to a guest like Lizanne I start to think about that determination it must take because whether you've got a stone two or ten to lose, you know you still have those days, don't you, where maybe it's it's not gone right, or you've had a week where you feel that you've not had those losses, and to continue that 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 focus, that determination of just pushing through those days and just just getting that that next stone down, that next pound down, and, and to continue that with such an amazing weight loss it's just deserving of so much respect so I'm so pleased that she had that success so so pleased and I'm so pleased that you know the success that she had with a a skin loss removal it's gone the way that it needed to go it's you know she's healthy she's now got this healthy body it really is truly amazing this, this story so I hope you feel that by listening to this story today if you're feeling a bit not quite yourself in February if you feel a bit like actually you felt determined at the beginning of the year but now you, you're losing that that focus just just listen to this story again and just remind yourself that actually it's possible I think with the, every guest that I get on you know it shows you that it is possible it's not just somebody in a magazine it's not just somebody on insta this is possible and if she's done this with you know a busy busy family life then um, you know we we can all do this. We can all do this. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've really enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please consider leaving me a review. You know, all reviews are really, really helpful. I'd love that from you. If you could if you could do that, especially if you've been listening for for quite a while, I'd love to love to see those reviews on there. And if you're if you're thinking, well, this isn't something Um, attainable. If you're feeling that you've got no, no focus whatsoever, you know, my DMs are, are always open. I'd love to hear from you. Don't feel that you have to sit with those thoughts on your own. Don't feel that you have to sit and fester with that, that thought that, you know, this isn't for you. This, this is something that other people do, but you're, it's not, it's not something on your agenda because maybe you've tried it before. Maybe you felt disappointed And maybe you just need that, that new focus. Maybe you need that, that purpose to, to move those scales in that right direction, because this is all doable for each and every one of us, for each and every one. And I hope that by doing the podcast, by doing all the the stories that you'll hear, you'll, you'll recognize that the only difference with, with a lot of these guests is that focus. And, and just listen back to, you know, Alizam was focused to get all of that that weight off absolutely amazing wishing you a great week ahead until next time take care